coming up, we're kicking off a new podcast series on reasons why people abandon Christianity. That's coming up. Hello, everybody. This is Josh with Building Bridges. Thank you guys for tuning in with us today. We're kicking off a new series that's going to last through six podcasts, and we're covering why people who were once Christians abandon their faith and either become agnostic or full-blown atheist. The first thing we're going to cover on today's podcast is the concept of hell. Because hell is a very difficult concept, even for people who are devout Christians, who love the Lord, faithful to the integrity of the Word. We often envision God as like this loving and merciful being. And because he's loving and he's merciful and gracious, the concept that there's like this terrible place, this awful place of dreadfulness, that he's created that. And that he sends people to that destination is a very hard thing for people to grasp. So we're going to unwrap that a little bit and talk a little bit about the biblical concept of hell and why people struggle with it. And I hope maybe this will minister to you today if it's something that you struggle with. The first thing that we need to understand is that God doesn't send people to hell. People choose to go to hell. There's a difference there. People are accountable for the decisions they make. He allows people to choose him or to reject him. We find this taking place in the very first chapters of Genesis in the creation story that God created Adam and Eve. And when he created Adam and Eve, he put them in the Garden of Eden and he placed a tree which had forbidden fruit. And he told them, do not eat this forbidden fruit or you will surely die. He presented them the choice to trust him or to reject his advice. And what they did, they rejected his advice. And then what we see in Genesis chapter 3 is a curse comes upon the earth and mankind that will not be lifted until there's a new heaven and a new earth, which takes place in the book of Revelation. So God gave them choice. And we see this all throughout the Bible, a warning that either we give our lives to Christ, we give our lives to God, devote ourselves to his ways, and be blessed, be protected, um, knowing that a place called heaven awaits us, or we can reject him entirely and understand that there's a place called hell that exists for those who reject him. So it's important that we understand that, that God doesn't send people to hell. In fact, it even says in Ezekiel that it grieves him that people reject him when he wishes that they would repent of their sins and have everlasting life with him. But to allow choice is something that's gifted to mankind, which is free will. We have the ability to make choices in our lives. We're not a part of a puppet show. We're not pre-programmed robots to function a certain way. We're living, breathing organisms who have choice in, in, in what we do and what we say, and we have a choice and whether or not we're going to accept God or we're going to reject him. So it's important you understand that God sends no one to hell. People choose to go there. Another thing that's difficult for people is thinking that people that they know that are really good, really moral, upstanding kind of people, the the kind of people that you want to emulate, that these kind of people, if they don't do something like accept the gospel, accept the message that Jesus died for their sins, that these people can go to hell 
while you've got someone on death row who's done something terrible and they can ask God for forgiveness and they go to heaven. So you got somebody on death row that's lived this life of crime that is entering heaven and then this person who's done nothing but good enter into hell. Once again, we need to realize that God doesn't send these people to hell. They choose. One very important set of verses is Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. The reason why this is important is to understand how salvation works. It says that salvation is a gift from God, not of works, so that no one can boast. Heaven is not this place where we're going to stand before the pearly gates and there's going to be like this scale. And if, if it weighs one way, there's like a trap door that throws you into hell, depending on how good you've done, or it goes another way and the gates open up and you've done enough good to outweigh the bad that you're entering to heaven. A lot of people think this is how it works, but that's not biblical. The way things work biblically is Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and we accept the blood that he shed to have peace with God, as it says in Romans 5.1, and that the wages of sin is death, as it says in Romans 6.23, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. See, God is the one who provides salvation. Now, we can accept that salvation, accept that forgiveness, walk in the Lord, and be forgiven of everything that we've done. Or we can live our lives how we want and reject God altogether and go to a place called hell. It's very clear in the Bible that if you're not of God, then you're not going to a place where God will exist and, and live in peace and harmony with his people in heaven. So we need to understand that, that, that God's sense of forgiveness is, is kind of upside down than humanity tends to work. We tend to think that the bad guys always get what's due them and the good guy wins. I mean, we enjoy that in movies, do we not? We love seeing the bad guy get killed in the end because he's been like this horrible person and we're rooting for the hero and, and like the guy gets the girl and the bad guy dies. And that's kind of how we view life is we want to see evil people punished and good people praised. Well, the thing is, there's a difference between being good and being holy. You can be good, like be a good person, have a great sense of morality, help people, do everything you can to to help others and, and to be like the kind of example that other people need to be. That's being good. But holy means different. And we're only holy and righteous in the eyes of God through Christ Jesus. So we need to understand that's how salvation works. And then some people struggle with the actual definition of hell. I have sat under a lot of preachers, and you probably have too, that paint this picture of hell that's like a horror movie. And these terrible things go on down there and and just like this scary, terrible picture of like eternal burning, eternal suffering, um, just, just this horrible, wretched place to be. Well, I'll be honest, from a theological perspective, I'm not entirely sure how hell is. If it's like a real place that there's suffering constantly, like we see with Lazarus, 
Some people think we cease to exist, that that when we're thrown into the lake of fire, our whole essence is gone. Um, there's, there's all kinds of theological arguments on hell, but the point is not what hell is. The point is we want to avoid going there, and we're able to avoid going there because God has made a way for us not to go there. So the reality of hell is that people choose to go there because they reject God. We often paint God in this corner that he's this all-loving, merciful God, and we mean well by it, but especially in today's culture, we tend to be very therapeutic with a representation of God, that he's loving, he's merciful, that he's a good father, and that he loves us, and you know he, he wants to basically hold us and, and run through uh, lilies and, and dance and spin around on us. Now, while that is true, that's not the only aspect of God. God is a just God, and God is very strict and clear that he's created heaven for his believers and he's created hell for the unbelievers. And he's laid it out. This is the thing is he's laid it out ahead of time so that we know and we're accountable. I mean, think about it. Should a criminal feel wronged because he broke a law? And now he's being punished for breaking that law when he knew to begin with it was a gamble to break that law or he would suffer the consequences. That's not how things work. If you know something is wrong and you know the consequences of doing that wrong and then you do it and then you suffer the consequences for that wrong, then the law and those who made the law aren't to blame. You're to blame for breaking the law. And this is how I view the concept of heaven and hell, that anybody who rejects God, anybody who rejects the gospel, understands that they will go to hell. So here's a few things we need to consider. First, we need to make sure that we're not overcompensating on how we represent God. So we walk a fine line. We, we can project God as happy, uh, peaceful, and loving, or we can, we can create him to be like wrathful, vengeful, disgusted with us. We tend to go on one or two extremes in how we present God to people. We need to make sure that we present a full picture of who God is. Is God just? Does God punish? Yes, but he's loving and merciful enough to show us ahead of time to correct our ways or we will face that punishment. He's not looking to get us. He's not looking to set us up and watch us fail. He's for us. And he's made the first move to tell us he loves us because he sent Christ to die for us. You and I don't have to die on crosses. We don't have to wake up every morning and slaughter animals and, and do all kinds of bloody, messy things. We have Christ. We have Jesus who finalized it all, and we have peace with God through him. So make sure that your messages aren't just entwined with wrath and fear, because what you're going to do is, is you're presenting God in a way that those who are getting saved are getting saved because they are scared to death of God. I remember when I was a kid, I was at a church, and I was with another group of kids. I was probably eight, nine years old, 
And we sat in the class, and this adult was talking to us and painted, like, this horrific picture of this place with, like, flames and agony and people crying and, like, you know, this evil creature, the devil is there roaming around. And we were all just scared to death over it. And so when the time came when he said, if you want to be saved, raise your hand, we all raised our hands to be saved. But the problem was we weren't asking to dedicate our lives to Christ. We were trying to get away from this scary picture this person painted. So we do have to be mindful in the presentation that we don't just present God as a wrathful person who just wants to destroy everybody. Because if you present that, or even if you think that way, then you have a relationship based on fear. And if a relationship is based on fear, then it's an unhealthy relationship that will never grow never nurture, and you will constantly have this issue of feeling like you're just a terrible human being that God is disgusted with, and that's not the truth. That's a tool of the devil to destroy us and to bring us down. So if you're struggling with the concept of hell, I pray that God would help you realize that hell is a byproduct, not the focal point of the Bible. Redemption is the focal point of the Bible. Not that hell exists, but that God's created a way where we don't have to go there. That is something that we need to be mindful of when we're thinking about this concept, that it's not God's desire that anyone should perish, but that all could come to everlasting life. And whatever we do, just remember that God is good, that he is gracious, that he's made all things possible for us to not have to go to whatever that place is that's called hell because he loves us and values us. And so when you're talking to others, guys, never forget this. Compassion builds a bridge. Have a blessed day.